0: Hello and welcome to Lean Into You, a podcast to remind educators the best investment they can make today is in themselves. We are your hosts, Alex Farrell with Childcare Wages Tennessee.
1: And Wesley Mays with the Tennessee Childcare Resource and Referral
0: Network. And today we're going to talk about how you can begin to change habits in your life.
1: How often do we get stuck on autopilot, working for when we get to go home, or working the week just to get to the weekend? Or working the semester just to get to summer break. How do the habits in our lives contribute to that performative mindset?
0: Our guest today is Kelly Hopkinson, a former educator who now runs her own yoga business in England, teaching people that yoga is as much about your mindset and value system as it is about doing poses. She's also a public speaker who presented a TED Talk in Norwich about the importance of self-care for teachers.
1: In our conversation, we'll talk a little bit about how self reflection can help identify when we're performing at our job.
2: The problem is when we're performing, we're not living and acting in line with kind of our belief system.
1: We'll also touch on the importance of identifying why we sometimes are resistant to change, how we can implement simple habits that foster long term change, and finally, how shifting from seeking external validation to seeking validation from ourselves can help anchor these habits that we've formed. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today.
2: Hi. It's um, really nice to be here talking to you.
1: Can you just start by just talking a little bit about your experience as an educator and how you started to incorporate yoga into your routine to help sort of identify where you needed help with self-care and how you started to implement some healthier habits.
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess uh, becoming a school teacher was something I did a little bit later um, in life. I didn't do it straight out of school. uh, So I traveled around a little bit and then entering the world of um, education was something that I kind of thought that I would end up doing. But um, when I first started, I didn't have any children. It was just me to worry about. And I loved it. I absolutely loved the whole process of um, like learning something new, being such a big part of the lives of the children I taught, but also the community of teachers that I worked with. Um, and uh, yeah, I loved every everything about it. I had the time, I had the energy to put into my lessons and my role as a teacher. And then you know, I had children <laughs> and um, just like I think with a lot of people, real life happens and that can, you know, sway things off balance a little bit. And I found it quite difficult to keep up with that level of dedication and commitment that I had previously found um, whilst juggling this family kind of life. Um, and I found that my taking care of myself came quite easy up until that point um, in my role as a teacher. But it all of a sudden became so much more challenging and uh, just, it kind of went out the window, actually, self-care and looking after myself and looking after my physical health and my mental health. It was just, um, everything was just all a little bit, a little bit too much. Luckily, I had, um, I didn't like fine yoga and stumble across a class. I've always done it. But I did... Uh, start my, t- my teacher training because I was wanting to move in that direction. I was wanting to bring yoga into the classroom. And when I say yoga, I don't just mean, you know, laying on the floor and doing some poses and not really connecting with much else. I mean the whole way of living your life um, from, this, from this kind of space. So it, it just enabled me to learn techniques and ways to actually build in simple self-care really
0: Right, and I'm sure uh, your your anecdote of your life is not totally different than what a lot of our listeners experience on a daily basis. Uh, When you talk about the burnout, for you didn't happen necessarily within the context of a classroom. Your burnout was more driven from work life, home life balance.
2: Yeah, whether it's a an external stressor like you know just a change, any kind of change, and we all go through that as your you know any career in teaching world. When it becomes a performance which I found myself doing it was like I was performing in this world with a teacher when I talk about yoga the uh, if you uh, sort of learn anything about yoga it the asana the practice of yoga the poses are like one tiny little bit of it and the the other is um, you know about breathing and about your values and your belief system and your mindset and, you know how you live your everyday life and then kind of The the poses of um, yoga are popped in there, and then the breathing, focusing your attention, so thinking about mindfulness. um, These all are a part of yoga, rather than just this one thing of, yeah, rolling out your mat. To be able to apply some of these to your everyday life, and when I mean everyday life, I don't mean, okay, so you do your role at school uh, every day, showing up, giving your energy, giving everything. And then maybe sitting in a yoga session after school or at lunchtime, I don't mean that. I mean kind of weaving it into the whole day. So it's being you know prepared to go, okay, well, I'm gonna I need a breath, I need a breath for a minute.
1: Yeah, I love what you said about um, teaching felt like a performance to you. I think all mm-hmm. of us, you know, we go out and sometimes that can work, but I think the difference for educators is they're expected to give. And they're expected to give so much. And so that performance just isn't going to cut it. So for you, you use the mindfulness component of yoga to start to sort of break out of that performative mindset. If we have listeners that too feel like they're just going through the motions or performing their role of being an educator, what do you think the first step is that they should take to help implement some better habits in their life and kind of break out of that slump?
2: Um, so that's a really interesting question the problem is when we're performing we're not living and acting in line with kind of our belief system so you could do you could try and implement everything because there's so much out there right we're overwhelmed with okay try this and so I mean I would always I have things that I would definitely suggest to people and i spoke spoken about them in my talk and they would be things that unless you do a little bit of work on your, your values and sort what's important to you and what are barriers to you at the moment, how you truly are, um, what is causing you stress, what's, are you feeling this heightened sense and why? If you address that first, then when you get these like tips or these suggestions of what to do every day, it makes more sense. You can actually gain something from it. So for example, I would, um, you know, suggest, to start writing in a journal. However, without kind of connecting to what that could possibly bring to you and why you would even bother um, writing in a journal, then the act of writing a journal is just going to be a little bit meaningless to you. And it will be, to be honest, something extra to do. And for somebody working in a school where they feel like their to-do list is so, so long, adding something in at the beginning of the day is just not going to feel quite right.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense um, because it is so easy to get caught up in um, you know, treating the symptoms to a problem rather than digging you know, a little bit deeper and identifying the source of your stress or why you're just going through the motions. You know, I think step one always has to be self-reflective. You, know, you do need to spend some time with yourself to try and get to the bottom of your, of your burnout or your exhaustion or whatever it is um, because once you do that, you can start to identify what your barriers of resistance are. And that is super important. Yeah, just, just to add on to what you're saying, I think the
1: the beauty of mindfulness is, is recognizing the patterns that you fall into um, cool. and recognizing where you go when you're stressed and taking, like you're saying, taking a moment to recognize those patterns um, will help you find what's going to work for you the best because you'll say, oh, I can see, you know, when I'm stressed, I do this. When I'm stressed, I, you know, my anxiety rises. And then... Uh, whatever works for you to mitigate that is going to be so much more meaningful, like you were saying.
2: Um, And all of those things take time and focus and, you know, your attention being on them because it's not, you know, it's not like a quick fix because again, one of these lists might be, okay, do yoga, do some mindfulness, take a bath, find time for yourself. Um, And we know this stuff. None of this would be rocket science. We We know this, but there is something underlying meaning that you are not doing those things. And it's connecting into that, like what is stopping you? If we can shift our mindset and then if we can decide, like you said, the things that would reduce that level, that feeling, that gut feeling of stress and identify those and then create some really simple habit forming, then that combination, which is what it is, is going to create change. But unless you want to change, um, it's not just going to happen. So we need to change. We need to connect with our belief system. And then we need to actually do the thing. (laughs) We need to create the action.
0: One thing that, for instance, that I do that is really, really easy is be cognizant of the kind of music that I listen to on my drive into work. So, um, you know, I, I do like a lot of rock music. You know, I like some stuff that has faster pace, higher tempo, a lot of energy but maybe that's not the best thing to listen to at 8.30 in the morning. So I've got Mm -hmm. a solid 15 to 20 minute drive into work. And that is an opportunity to put on some more ambient, softer music and just breathe deeply. And the reason I bring this up is to show that, you know, I, I literally change nothing about the rest of my day, you know, putting on a certain kind of song in the morning and breathing during your morning commute is such a small thing. That is honestly, I mean, honestly, it's the perfect way to implement a new habit is start small. And one of the, one of the unforeseen benefits of, you know, implementing that morning practice for me, I started eating healthier at lunch. Right. I had exactly. I had built up this huge habit of going out to fast food, of just doing what was quick and easy and cheap. I never it just literally just one day I, you know, it was getting around lunchtime and I realized I wanted something healthier. It wasn't it wasn't a chore to be like, oh, Alex, you need to eat healthier. Um, It was something that I wanted. And it's interesting how when you implement one thing and do that with some intentionality and with some consistency that these other practices start to um, unfold and unveil themselves really organically and naturally in the uh, routine of your day that's already in place.
1: So at this point we've done the soul searching we've identified why we're resisting change we're starting to implement a new habit that is easy and may lead to other good habits now how do we anchor that and make sure these good habits lead to lasting change
2: we as you know as human beings let alone again as educators we can seek reassurance that we're doing a good job externally you know and we then don't get it because other members of our teams or senior leaders or whoever it is are very busy. Sometimes we don't get that reassurance from the children uh, that we teach. So we're almost waiting to be validated and to be, okay, well, I'm doing a good job because that person has come and said so. Or those children, you know, they, they responded in a particular way. And we need to shift away from that and actually come back to ourselves so that we get that feeling of of doing enough and doing my job as well as I can at the same time I'm taking care of myself. I think if you think about a school setup and if you think about your family life as well or a work setup so this doesn't just apply to a school setup sometimes if you think about okay who is the most important person in that school whether that is like parents or is that teachers or is that children there is that initial response of, okay, well, of course it's children. We say it in families. Um, Okay, well, the children are the most important thing because that's what we feel we should say Um, because that's the right thing to say. But actually, I would just ask you to reflect on that and challenge that belief and actually see if you can shift it to you that you are the most important person in your life. And I don't say that, you know, flippantly, but you truly are. And if you take care of yourself then you do have this care and this everything else to give to other people if you don't then you are working first of all at this heightened state of stress you are stressing your nervous system so that would lead to illness Um, your mind and the connections that are occurring in the mind with all of this multitasking is just going to affect your health there as well So I would just ask that when you think about, okay, who am I showing up for? Show up for yourself first. Um, I just think that's so, I don't know, it's important. We have a lot of shoulds. We should feel like this. We should say this. But actually just keep coming back to you, I think.
0: Yeah, because when we start to, you know, seek validation from ourselves first and foremost, and we start to make that mindset shift that, you know, that we're the most important people in our own lives, then in reality, what you're doing is you're taking control over your own happiness or your own health. Um, and I think when we start to gain some of that control back, we are creating, you know, a more a balanced environment kind of you know, within us, uh, for some of these habits to stick around and become lasting change. So Kelly, one of the last things that we always try to have our guests do is, um, kind of give a parting word of encouragement to our educators out there. Um, I personally loved what you said at the end of your Ted talk. Um, I think that would actually be a a great, a great kind of closing message.
2: Yeah, I think that would be my my finishing kind of parting words to you would be, and it comes from yoga. Actually, I don't think I even really knew it at the time, but Namaste, which we say towards the end of a class, uh, means in its simplest form that the light in me honors the light in you, Mm. and sometimes when we lose that sense of our light and we don't feel it. And it might have been really dulled down, or we're just not connected to it. So just thinking about your light, this thing that makes you you, this spark inside of you, and do all of those things that support it. So fuel it and protect it and look after it and defend it with your life. Because when that happens, then you can be the light in someone else's life.
0: It's beautifully put. Thank you you so much. much. Thank you, Kelly, for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate it.
2: You know, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. This podcast is funded through a grant with the Tennessee Department of Human Services and Signal Centers. Signal Centers is a nonprofit in Chattanooga, Tennessee, whose mission is to strengthen children, adults, and families through services focusing on disabilities, early childhood education, and self-sufficiency. If you have a review, a comment, a suggestion for a future
1: episode, please do so on our Facebook page at facebook.com tnwages or email us at wages at signalcenters.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Lean Into You podcast and we hope you have a great week.